0: Hey Cornerstone, how you doing? Man, I'm glad you're here. I think you're going to be glad that you're here uh, when we get done today. I want to do a real quick shout out to our campus in Santan and then our campus in Scottsdale. Man, glad you guys are a part of this conversation. I believe what we're talking about has something for every single one of us in the room. I know we're talking about dating. I'll explain that in a second. And I believe what we're talking about is life changing. This is one of those conversations that says, if Christians can get this right, we literally change our culture. We literally make a statement in the world that causes the world to say, what is it that those Christians have figured out that we have so messed up and just quite possibly positions the church to a place of influence? So I, I just think it's a critical, critical conversation. Now, here's the deal. I know there's singles in the room. And if you're single, you're already going, hey, I finally finally the church is talking about this because this is hard to navigate this thing. And, and, and it's messy. And I know, I just know in my heart, my friends are not doing this right. I need this conversation. Chances are though, we've got a whole bunch of people in this room who are already married and you're going, Lynn, I'm, I'm already stuck. And, uh, <laughs> wish you would have done this series like 10 years ago on the, no, 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 no. Guys, listen to this. First off, Tons of marital problems are actually single people problems that we brought to marriage. You're going to hear yourself. You're going to see yourself over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, a light bulb's going to go off and go, hey, maybe that's not my spouse's problem. Maybe that's my single problem that I brought to this relationship and I've never resolved, never grown through, never done in my own life. Maybe I've got some work to do on the deal. But guys, even more importantly, if I was a parent, I would be taking copious notes because if you're a parent, you've got children and somewhere they're going to make decisions about who they date and how they date. And I'm going to suggest to you that this conversation is the second most important conversation you will ever have with your kids. And wouldn't you as a parent want to be prepared on the deal? And then guys, if you're a grandparent, you're going to get two or three four conversations to push into the lives of your grandchildren and what if in that moment over that shared milk and cookies what if in that moment you knew exactly what to say that would cause your grandchild to think completely different what if what if they ended up with the right person at the end of the thing because you said something at just the very opportune moment in their lives I'm just guys everybody in this room, everybody in this room, ought to be leaning in uh, the next four weeks that we do this together. Last week, last week we talked about this idea that said, if you look at marriages in our country, and the stats we're getting are somewhere around 50% of marriages fail. And guys, you realize that dating is the prelude to marriage. And if 50% of marriages are failing, then we must be doing something wrong in the dating process. And and look, here's the... If you've got a fifty percent failure rate, or even if it's forty percent, this is this is not a course correction. This is not a minor adjustment that's going to change those types of outcomes. And so we said to you, "Hey, what we're going to propose over the next five weeks together, it's going to be a radical shift. If you decide to do this, and we're encouraging you for at least six months to do exactly what we we're going to ask you to do, this is not your friends are going to be confused. Uh, your parents may even be." confused I go why would you that's not how anybody else does it that's not what we've ever seen on television you're right because i don't want the outcomes that come from the way people date on in our culture and the way people date on television and i'm going to challenge you especially if you're a christ follower in this room to have a radical transformation a radical shift in how you date and then see what god would do with that Last week, we talked about this idea that within the culture, there's this idea of finding the one who completes us. Uh, uh, it works really, really good in films. It works really lousy in life. And, and that what happens in that moment is, is that we go, okay, I know I'm not a cooked person. I know I've still got issues. I know I still have things working. on. But if I could just find the right other half, then our two halves of a person coming together would make a whole person. And that'd be a great marriage. And we discovered, no, no, no. Two half people coming together make a quarter of a marriage. And that there's no more destructive way in which to date. And and the reality is, if you spend your time focusing on finding the one, it'll actually distract you in that moment. It'll make you unavailable to the one when they come. And that the most powerful thing that anybody, any single person could possibly do is say, God, look, 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 look. I'm not going to look for the one. I'm going to allow you to make me the one. Make me the person. That the person I'm looking for is looking for. It's a radical change in how we date. Today, today I'm gonna talk to the men. Okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna be straight up. I'm, and here's why guys. If this is gonna change radically, I'm absolutely convinced that the men have got to lead the change. This is, this is not gonna come from the gap. It's gonna come when men radically shift how they date and how they treat women when this is going to happen. And so I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to come after you a little bit today and and then I'm I'm going to hug on you a little bit today. Uh, I got a dear friend in ministry. He says, hey, every one of my sermons, uh, I, I start out by going, oh, yeah, hey, we're great friends. And then I punch him in the throat and then I hug it out. Okay, so, you know, maybe, maybe, guys, we're going to do a little bit of that today because guys, 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 because I am absolutely convinced that if we are going to radically change this, it has to be the men who lead the change. I talk to women all the time. And uh, any, anyone want to guess what the number one complaint about women and dating is? You can't find a good Man, yeah. You can't find a good man. And, and so then here's what I... Because I'm a pastor, right? So here's what I inevitably say. Well, wait, wait, wait. Have you tried the church? You know, have you gotten involved in a small group? Have you joined, you know, like our uh, camber ministry? It's all single adults. Have you gotten plugged in somewhere where you would get around church guys so you could date church guys? And inevitably, here's what women say to me. No, no, no. Dating church guys is worse. Which is the last thing you want to hear as a pastor, Right? Here's, here's why they say it's worse. Because when you go to a bar, uh, when you go to a secular dating site, you know what you're getting. But when you come to the church, you were hoping for something else. And when you find out that the guys in the church are just like the guys in culture, it's deeply disappointing. And so guys, I'm just going to push on you a little bit today. To not be guys who date like all our friends date. To not date like they do on TV. That you and I would be the radical leaders. And saying, no, no, no. Here's how a man of God dates women. And I'm going to lead that today. Here's the interesting thing. Did you know that in the early church, women flocked to the church? Women came to the early church in droves. Guess why? For the men... If you wanted to find a great man in that culture, you could only find him in the church. And what if you and I, men, what if you and I so changed this, so altered how the Christian men treat women, that women would once again flock to the church to say, this is the only place that you can find a man that knows how to treat a woman. We would change our culture. Here's why we're in trouble. Here's the struggle that we've got going on right now. We are living in a generation that has created a prolonged adolescence. Matter of fact, think about this. Do you realize merely just a hundred years ago, we didn't even have a thing called adolescence. Matter of fact, a hundred years ago, here's what would have happened. You had a boy and the next step in the life of a boy was becoming a man. Next step. And that next step was usually marked with uh, five basic things. Um, He would begin to learn a trade. Uh, He would move out of his house. (laughs) He would begin his career. He would marry. And then he would begin having children. And you want to get your mind blown? Often... Boys, as they transition, as they, they reached these markers that marked them moving into manhood, they would often encounter and overcome these markers when they were 14 and 15 years old. Now, about 100 years ago, we came back and we coined a brand new term, adolescence. And we said, no, 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 there needs to be a period of time between being a boy and being a man, uh, and we'll call it adolescence. We We made that kind of... The teenage years. So you were a boy, and then you were a teenager, and then you moved to being a man. But the five rites of passage were pretty much the same. And look, it, may, it probably wasn't a bad idea. Uh, education became super critical uh, for how we function as a culture. And so we said, hey, there needs to be this period of time where you can go and tackle that thing. ...of education. I think life is probably more complicated today than it was a hundred years ago. It probably makes sense to have an adolescence. But this generation, in a single generation, we have added a whole new category... We're not sure what to call him. I mean, because you go from being a boy, you become a teen. You're not a man. You're a guy. There's something in between. And here's the incredible thing about this: uh, this season, this this category, it can last for 20 years. You can go from being 20 to being. 40 and just be a guy you you can spend half your life before you have to buy a pair of pants that fits it's a guy now let me let me let me describe a guy to you a little bit guys uh guys are 27 and they're still living at home uh, guys are on the eight-year plan with their schooling because they're so focused and motivated Yeah, they've already flunked out of community college twice. But it's okay because you're finding yourself. You're a guy. Guys work part-time pizza delivery jobs so that they can play video games 70 hours a week. If they don't live with their parents, they live with seven other guys in a one-bedroom apartment so their rent is 50 bucks. It's a guy. And you ready for this? The mantra of being a guy. It's real, real simple. Avoid, 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 avoid at all costs. Anything that looks like responsibility. Just don't. Because the goal in life is to do as little as you can in life with as small a commitment as you can make in life and breathe. That's the plan. It's a guy. Now, somebody in the room is going to go, when. I mean, is it sinful to be a guy? I mean, you know. I mean, can you show me a verse in the Bible that says, you know, I shouldn't be a guy? No. But just because it's not sinful doesn't mean it's not stupid. Just saying. See, there's the deal. I can't show you a verse about eating dirt, but it's stupid if you do, okay? It's just, it's stupid. And what does it mean to you? Stop and think about this if you're struggling. And look, here's the deal. There's probably no one in this room who's actually a full-fledged 100% guy because the real guys are still at home sleeping off their beer and playing video games till four in the morning, and they're not here, okay? But you may find yourself today and go, you know what? I've, I've I've got a couple of the attributes I need to work on. You know, even even if, yeah, my pants fit. It's, it's, I'm doing this. But here's what I want to ask you. What does it mean to you? What does it cause co- to think that we have 35-year-olds that can't land in life what 15-year-olds used to land? And do you get the sense that our young men have absolutely no concept of what it means to be men How do we do this? And I'm just going to suggest that part of how we created this is we have no rights of passage for the guy. Remember, uh, the guy used to go out and get his career. The guy used to move out of his house. The guy used to actually become gainfully employed. The guy used to go find the girl and marry her. Not live with her. Marry her and then have children with her. And you realize we've said to him, No, 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 no. You don't. You, none of those things are critical in your life. You know, if you don't know what your career is going to be and if you can't figure out something that fulfills you, can I just say, guys, can I say to you something? If you're going to spend your life looking for a career that brings you fulfillment, you are out of luck. Careers were never meant to bring you fulfillment. Careers are what you do so you can feed your family. Following Jesus is what you do to find fulfillment. Stop looking for that job. Mow lawns. Do whatever you have to do because your fulfillment's going to be in Christ and not in Photoshop. I'm just telling you. And we have taken every rite of passage away from... When does this guy ever move into manhood? And the answer is we don't know anymore because we've taken every rite of passage and said that doesn't matter in our culture. And so here's what's happened in between. Our culture has come back and said, oh no, 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 we'll fill in the blank. We'll tell you how to be a man. And so you watch a beer commercial that says, hey, you wanna be a man, drink our beer. Hey, you wanna be a man, buy our truck. Cause it's a manly truck, not like those girly trucks. It's a manly truck and you'll be a man if you drive our truck. It's a Dodge Ram, (laughs) rhymes with man. Defeat the orcs in World of Warcraft, get to level 97, you'll be a man. Bed down enough women. Consume the girl. You'll be a man. And guys, here's the problem. When you let culture write the values and the rights of manhood, is you realize that every single one of those things is about consuming buy this, drink this, do this, you become a man. And here's what you need to hear me say, guys, real men don't become men by consuming, they become real men by building. See, a real man leaves the world better when he's done, not just a heap of trash in the living room. And real men become men by building and not by consuming, which means, you ready for this? You can't drink enough beers to be a man. I don't care what the advertisement says. You can't buy the truck to be a man. You can't defeat the orcs and become a man. And you ready for this? And you surely can't bed down the girl. Consume the girl. Abuse the girl. Take advantage of the girl and become a man. That merely makes you a boy who shaves. Not a man, and yet, I I know know, know. you're a Lynn man. Oof, oof. But here's here's the deal. I fully expect to be in the mall someday, seeing a girl pushing her boyfriend in a stroller. (laughs) He's gonna have a beef jerky binky. And a beer sipper cup. And you're gonna walk over to her and say, Why are you dating a boy? I mean, why are you dating him? And she's gonna go, You ready for this? He's got so much potential. Are you kidding me? Ladies. Listen, ladies. If you don't get anything else today, you get this. When you date a guy, that, that emotion you feel for him, that is not attraction. That's maternal instinct. <laughs> you are responding to him the same way you would a lost four year old child. It is maternal instinct. And ladies, let me, let me say this to you. If you settle for a guy, I don't even know why you're dating guys, but if you settle for a guy, you will never know the passion and the fulfillment Of linking your life with a man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And when he asks you on a date. You say no guys need apply. So what was it? What were the men in the early church doing. That was so radically different. The that, that ready for this? Secular women, women who had no design and no heart for God, no understanding of God, flocked to the church because of the men, the cult the culture of men in the church. What were those men doing that is so radically different from what our culture is doing today? So grab your Bibles, it's Ephesians chapter five. If you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're gonna to get to this passage. It's Ephesians chapter five. Starting in verse 25. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25. Husbands. Now look, look, look. look. Don't let that mess you up. Because dating, dating is an application for marriage. So you're candidating when you date. And I'm just going to say... If if, ladies, if he's not a good date, he's going to be a miserable husband. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, guys, you just need to hear that. That statement was radical in the culture of the day. Here's why. In the culture of the day, the Romans are ruling. Romans it was very common for them to have slaves. And if you were a Roman slave owner, you had the right to do anything at any time that you wanted with one of your female slaves. You owned her. She was a possession. She was property to be consumed on your pleasure. Roman men at the time would tend to be married, but and they only had one wife. It wasn't plurality of wives, but they had tons of mistresses. You know why they had mistresses? It was a form of birth control. See, Roman men didn't want the responsibility of a family, so they would go have sex with the mistresses, and then they would deny their wives having sex so they wouldn't have children. Because they didn't want the responsibility. Sound familiar? Consume women, don't take on responsibility. And in the midst of that... Paul says to the church. I mean, imagine being in that service where Paul says this for the first time. And here's what he says. Let's read it again. Husbands, men, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And in that moment, don't you imagine there's there's some guy at the back of the church and he goes... And Paul says, yeah. So you're saying... Love the girl. And Paul says, Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. he goes, Okay, this is this is mind blowing because you can own the girl, you can use the girl, you can consume the girl, and then you throw away the girl. But Paul, you're saying love the girl. Exactly. And then you said more, Paul, right? Yeah, I said more lay down your life for the girl the way that Jesus laid down his life for the church. Yep. Didn't he die doing that? Exactly. Because here's what, you ready for for this radical shift in thinking? He's saying to men, Not only do you love the girl, she's no longer a possession, she's no longer a consumable, you no longer use her for your own benefit, but you actually elevate her and decide that you will give your life, that she is more important than you, and you will do whatever it takes for her. And think about the unspeakably radical shift of womanhood. Guys... Anybody who comes to tell you and says that Christianity does not honor women is an idiot. Let me tell you why. You go back and look historically and every single nation, every single culture that has a high opinion of women and there has been a significant influx of Christianity in that culture. You look at every culture out there right now that demeans women and holds them in oppression and they have not had the touch of the gospel. Christianity absolutely says... Love the girl. Give your life for the girl. Here's the deal. Here's what early Christian men figured out in this radical shift. And it's this. That there's two things that men have to do for the girl. Number one is provide. Number two is honor. Provide. Honor. The girl. Now, when I say provide most of the guys and you go, oh, I I get that. That's financial. You know, I'm supposed to go work and, and you're right. No, no, no. That is part of providing but it's only one part. But part of it is providing financially. And then here's what you need to hear me say out loud. This doesn't mean that you have to have the biggest salary in the home. That's not what this is. Matter of fact, Lisa and I've been married for 34 years. In the first 26 years of our marriage, Lisa made more money than me. Anybody want to guess when I finally made more money than Lisa? When she came to work for the church. (laughs) What it's saying, men, is this. You are the one who's responsible to make sure that the family's okay. That they're secure and that the finances are in order. You may not be the one making the lion's share of the finances, but you're the one that carries the weight of the finances. There's a second way in which God has wired women, guys, this is the part you got there's a second way in which God has wired women to receive provision from us as providers, and it's this protection. Protection. Guys, it's why he made you stronger than her. Ladies, don't let that freak you out. All that means is that's that's why he can beat you at arm wrestling. That's all it means. And if he can't beat you at arm wrestling, why are you dating him? <laughs> Just ask it. Okay? Get to the gym. You and I are to provide protection. Everybody ready? Physically and emotionally. Physically and emotionally. Which is why. You ready for this? It's why it is such a deep violation any time a man hits a woman... Or wounds her with his words. Because your call, your manhood is about providing protection for her physically and emotionally. I'm five years old. I'm walking home from church after evening service with my grandmother. We're walking uh, to her house. And as we're walking along, my grandmother stops. She turns to me. She says, Lynn, you're walking on the wrong side. And I said, well, Grandma, what do you mean? She said, you're the man. You're supposed to walk on the side with the cars. That way, if a car comes by and it splashes water, you take the water for me. If a car comes and careens off the road, you're supposed to push me out of the way and sacrifice yourself. Now, here's the interesting part about it. I'm five. My grandma could have whooped me bad. And yet, in this moment, think about it. In this moment, she was calling me to be a little man. And can I tell you that my five-year-old mind filled with images of cars careening and me pushing grandma out of the way and saving the day. Because, because, because in the heart of every man, you know, you know that part of the assignment is to be protector. Which is why, which is why, which is why don't you ever lift your hand. Which is why you don't lift your voice. I don't care how naggy she got, I don't care what she just said, I don't care what button she just pushed, you be the man. Because what a man says to a woman is this, I will stand between you and harm. And for harm to get to you, it has to come through me. But harm will never come from me. Because I'm your protector. There's a third thing that men need to provide for women spiritual leadership. And right about now, every man in the room is going, oh, are you kidding me? This is the hardest part. And she's a better Christian than me. Oh, Lynn, you're killing me. No, guys, why are you making this so hard? This is so simple. Here's spiritual leadership, man. Spiritual leadership is simply a business plan. It's simply saying, hey, all right, My goal as the head of my home is simply to make my children better followers of Jesus than I was. It's to help my wife grow in her faith and become a better... That's that's, that's my job description. And based on that, I simply process life with easy questions. All right, if I want my kids to be better followers of Jesus than me, how often should my family go to church? And whatever answer is next, men, do that. You'll be a spiritual leader. If you want your kids to be better followers of Jesus than you are, how often should your family be in church? Do that. Spiritual leadership. Based on the fact that you want your kids to be better followers of Jesus than you are, when all of a sudden there's a conflict between football practice and small group Bible study, if you want your kids to be better followers of Jesus than you, which one should they go to? Somebody going, oh, man. Football. I mean, if you said soccer, I'm in. I'm in. But football? Yes. Find a league that practices on Tuesdays. If you want your kids to be better followers of Jesus than you. Spiritual leadership. If you want your kids to be better followers of Jesus than you, when it comes the time to tuck them in bed and read the little storybook Bible to them, how many times a week should dad do that? If he wants his kids to be better followers of Jesus than me. Can I I tell you that one of the greatest honors I have as a pastor is when I walk over to the children's area and I see men serving. Because it says to our kids, being a follower of Jesus is a men's occupation, not just for women. If you want your kids to be better followers of Jesus than you, what decisions should you be making in your home? It's as simple as that. Fourth thing, fourth thing that a woman is wired by God to need from a man. You ready? Commitment. Commitment. You get this guy is completely incapable of commitment because his value is not responsibility, it's freedom. He wants to play house, not live house. He wants friends with benefits. It's interesting, I had a gal that I was talking to a while back and she was processing this, she said, Lynn, it's interesting because I've been in this like seven-year relationship. You know, we live together, and he treats me really, really well, and our finances are taken care of, and all of that's going good, and yet I find this horrible ache in my heart of dissatisfaction in our relationship. And he said, then Lynn, while we were talking, the light bulb just went on. She said, here's my problem. I'm in a committed relationship without a commitment. And man, I'm just telling you, this devastates the heart of our women because they know that you're then open to whatever better option comes, ladies. I, why in the heck would you ever play house with a man? I, I I don't even get the. I don't understand. This is. I don't. Why? Think about this. If you were selling your house. If you were selling your house, how long would you let the new family live in the house without signing any papers or making any payments? And yet you'll let him live and play house with no commitment? Aren't you more valuable than a house? And guys, I'm just telling you, if you're sitting here today and you go, oh, Lynn, you're misunderstanding me, I love the girl. If you love the girl, take her to lunch, make a commitment. Make a commitment. Or don't tell me you love her. The first thing is provider. i have got to provide finances, protection, spiritual leadership, commitment. But there's a second piece of this that's amazing. The second thing that women found when they went to the church is they found men who gave women honor. Grab your Bibles real quick and go with me to 1 Peter. So go to the back of your Bibles, start working to the left. Don't go very fast. 1 Peter is a very small book. If you get to James, you've gone too far. Turn around and come back. 1 Peter, chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Can I just say I love it when I hear you turning pages? I know that's old school, but man, that you brought your Bible, that's cool. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 7, here's what it says. Husbands, remember, auditioning, candidating for the job. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Give them honor, give them respect. As the weaker partner... And heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, ladies, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you go crazy and go, I'm not the weaker partner. I'm not. The word probably is better translated more fragile. And that's okay. Here's, Here's why. Because isn't it true that the things we have that are more fragile tend to be more precious? And God's just saying to men, okay, because men are slow, you can't treat her like one of the guys. You've got to treat her different. And you've got to treat her with honor. Anybody want to guess what I do with this? I pop the top, I drink the Coke, I throw it away. Because, you ready for this? This is something to be consumed I'm in Israel last year, and I purchased this, 600 bucks. It's a pilgrim's flask that somebody at the time of Jesus would have carried with them, and they would have carried some sort of precious ointment or medicine inside of it. And the remarkable thing is is that it's 2,000 years old, made of glass, and somehow it has survived till today. I packed this thing when I brought it. I mean, I packed this like 20 layers deep. When I got it back to my office, I carefully unwrapped it. I put it in a display case in my office where it could not get hurt. Because you ready for this? Because this is precious. This is a vessel of honor. You go, well, wait, 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 They're both made of glass. They are. They're substantially the same thing. They are. But this I consume, and this I place honor on. Which is exactly, men, you ready for this? It's exactly what God is asking you to do to women. That you stop consuming, and instead you place them in your heart with honor. And You say, well, then, I don't really get your illustration because... You know, that's just a common piece of glass and, you know, this other one is precious. I mean, it's Roman glass from the first century and, I mean, so it deserves honor. Now, you know, that's exactly what God's saying to you and me. He's saying, guys, don't you get it? Don't you get that she is created in the image of God, which means honor. Don't don't you get that she is God's gift to you? God's gift to you. Which requires honor. And if she happens to be a Christian, then she is your sister in Christ, which requires honor. So stop consuming her. Honor her. It's a decision, man. How do you do that? All right, let me give you some practicals, men. Here's how you honor a woman. Number one, get a job. Get a job. Get a job. Parents, parents of guys, you realize we've done this, right? Because we've allowed him to live in the house till he's 32, right? So here's what I tell you to do. When this service is over, go home. Put all of his stuff on the lawn. (laughs) He will not notice or object. He's still sleeping. But when he wakes up, he'll know you're asking him to be a man. Second thing, men, you ready? Go to your iTunes list. And every song you've got that calls a woman a bitch or a whore, delete it. You have no business as a follower of Christ listening to any form of entertainment that diminishes or demeans women. And you go, oh, Lynn, it's just culture. That's just kind of the cool thing. You realize not all cultures are equal. And any culture that says horrifyingly demeaning things about women does not deserve to be the culture of a Christian man. You go home, you delete it. Period. Men, you go home, you put a stake in the ground, and you turn off your porn. You, you just, you, you give somebody else a password that you don't know how to get to. You, you do whatever you have to do. You get triplexchurch.com, where it sends an email to someone every time you go onto an unsavory site. And, and make the person who receives the email your mom. That'll slow you down. I'm just, you will stop looking at porn. And just do whatever, do whatever you have to do, guys. You go, wait, 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 wait. I mean, that's a victimless crime, right? I mean, she's she's selling it. She's She's not respecting her own body, so why should I be respectful of her body? Real men respect women even in moments when women are not respecting themselves. You remember Jesus? And he meets the woman at the well. And he says to her, hey, uh, before the conversation goes any further, go get your husband. And she has to say, sir, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You've had five husbands and the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. And guys, just think about the culture. Think about how demeaning that was for her to have to admit I have had five husbands and now I'm living out of wedlock with the man I'm with. She has no respect for herself. And yet it's Jesus in that moment showing her honor that is like a sip of living water in her life. And suddenly she becomes open to the gospel. Man, I'm just telling you, you don't know what you do to the heart of a woman when you show her honor. Which means you don't consume her. So go turn it off. Here's the goal. Here's here's what we're landing. Men, you and I will get this right when you and I decide that as Christian men in the church, every woman who meets us should be better because she met us. She's better. That that my job as a man is to bless her life, to make her better for having run into a Christian man. Husbands, that goes for you. Guys who are dating. Guys, here's here's your mantra if you're a single guy and you're dating. That every Christian girl you date ends up closer to Jesus when she's done dating you. That dating you moved her further in her faith, further in her commitment, Further in her walk with Jesus Christ, because she dated a guy like you, that'd make you a remarkable Christian man, wouldn't it? And women, women would flock to the church again. Let's pray. Amen. Hey while our heads are bowed, here, here's what you need to hear: in My heart. I know I punched you in the throat, but I did it to say to you that we could do this better. you you and I could step into the moment and be the men of God that women just simply couldn't get enough of. If we provided, if we honored. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm just going to ask that you would take the men of our church and that today would be a day in which they just literally stride into manhood. They just say, look, I'm, I'm done delivering pizzas. I'm done living in my parents' room. I, I just, I'm going to literally move into manhood uh, in my life, which means I'm going to provide for and love the girl. I'm going to honor the girl. That every girl who comes into my life is going to be better because she ran into a Christian man. God, I pray for our husbands in the room who maybe as we went through the list together would say, hey, I've I got three or four of those things I'm really doing at a high level right now, but i got a couple balls that I've let drop. And I'm, I'm just going to step into my manhood. I'm just going to pick up the things that I haven't picked up up until now. And I'm just, I'm going to be the man. And God, would you do this so that people who are far from God, so that women who have never even thought about you, would see the church and say, I don't know what they're doing, but those Christian men, those Christian men are the best men in the world. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.